Well, um, some of you were here um, back last March when I was teaching through the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. And uh, one of the first messages, uh, the Lord spoke um, really powerfully and, and clearly to me uh, about celebrating things that were just traditions of men. And you remember that part of what I spoke about was, was celebrating Christmas. And, and so uh, I felt the need this morning to uh, tell you where, where I've come in, in this seeking and, and sort of what that has, has meant for our family in this. Because um, the, the letter to the church in Pergamos, uh, I'll, I'll just read a little bit of that, starting in Revelation 2.14. But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and, and to commit acts of immorality. Thus you also have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth." He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. And the situation in Pergamos was similar to Thyatira, where... Uh, sort of to, to maintain any kind of position in the city, uh, economically, socially. Uh, you, you had to continue to participate in uh, sort of the worship of idols, which is what Jesus is talking about here when he talks about the teaching of Balaam and Balak and eating food sacrificed to idols and committing acts of immorality because uh, the feasts and the acts of immorality were all part of these pagan worship celebrations that, that they would, uh, the pagans would take part in. And if the Christians uh, pulled away and failed to continue to do that, then they would be persecuted. Uh, their economic opportunities would would dry up, and their social status in in the community would uh, would evaporate. So, in in my own study of 
some of the things that, that we celebrate, uh, there, there are a lot of pagan elements in what we call Christmas and the celebration of Christmas. There, there are a lot of pagan elements in the celebration of, of Easter uh, as opposed to just the celebration of the resurrection of, of Jesus. And so for, for me, and <clears throat> I, I think this is uh, an important example that I can show to, to all of us, that when, when the Lord gives us revelation uh, that either motivates us to do something or not to do something, then we, we as a person need, need to be uh, consistent and true to, to that revelation. And, and so for, for me, uh, what that meant uh, in the celebration of, of Christmas uh, was to get rid of any and all of the pagan elements of the celebration of what our culture calls Christmas. Uh, and, and for me, uh, and, and also my wife, for us uh, to, to just lay down the whole uh, frantic gift-giving and, and that, that whole part of, of this season. And so I have to tell you, for, for me, th this has been one of the most peaceful and enjoyable Decembers, uh, definitely of my adult life. Because <laughs> uh, it hasn't been consumed with thought and concern and worry about what am I going to get for all these people and should I get a gift for this person and should should I do all that because uh, if if we want to celebrate the birth of Jesus in in this season and and I don't see anything wrong with that uh, although it, it certainly isn't clear that Jesus was born on December 25th uh, from my position theologically, it's, it's probably more likely that he was conceived right near December 25th and actually was born during the Feast of Tabernacles, which uh, prophetically speaks of his coming, and it would just make sense uh, that that's when God the Father would bring Jesus into the earth during the celebration that really pointed toward his coming. So, uh, I, I guess the, the place of, of balance uh, for, for us in whether we celebrate Christmas, uh, whether we participate in other uh, cultural celebrations that, that may exist in our, our culture is, is really uh, spoken pretty clearly by Paul in Romans 
chapter 14. Uh, where starting in verse 5, he says, uh, One man regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And that, I think, is the place where, where we need to be in, in living our lives. Uh, is, is what we're doing unto the Lord? Or is it just to be socially acceptable and, and please man? Uh, that's, that's where we have to get. Uh, so, whether it is a, a question of celebrating Jesus' birth or how we're celebrating that or whether it is whether we're going to eat certain kinds of foods, uh, we seek the Lord individually. And, and we allow Him to lead us into faith. Uh, because everything that we do as followers of Jesus is, is to be from faith. And, and faith is hearing the word of the Lord and, and then obeying it. So, I hope that helps a little bit. Uh, I won't be judging anyone <laughs> who celebrates Christmas. <laughs> uh, and neither should anyone judge me for not celebrating Christmas in, in the way of our culture. Uh, I, I still, you know, we're having a Christmas Eve service this year uh, because I, I think it's good that we celebrate the fact that Jesus left the glory of heaven and, and came to earth to become a human being. Because that, uh, I mean, if, if anything's worthy of celebration on the earth, it, it's that. So, maybe, maybe just a couple more things on, on this topic before I get into what I really planned on <laughs> teaching today. And, and we're, we're not going to pick up where we were in the Feast of Tabernacles. We're, I'm at least saving that for, for next week. Uh, but there's, there's this idea uh, of 
us as followers of Jesus being in the world and not of the world. And most of us are, are familiar with, with that terminology. I, I think it mostly comes from John chapter 17 and Jesus' high priestly prayer for all of us as, as his followers. Uh, and I'll, I'll read you a few verses from that. Uh, John 17, starting in verse 14. Uh, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So, Jesus' assumption in, in John chapter 17, he, he says this in, in this passage, that those of us who have embraced him and identified with him, we are not of the world. And it's, it's because our, our nature has, has been changed. When, when we become identified with Christ, when, when we become partakers of his crucifixion and therefore his resurrection, we, we receive his nature. We receive the Holy Spirit within us and we become new creations. Then, as those new creations, he says we are sent into the world. So, we're, we're not of the world anymore, but we're sent into the world for, for purpose. And... Um, <clears throat> I, I like what John Piper suggests about this, this idea. Uh, he suggests re revising that popular phrase, in but not of the world, for Christians are not of this world, but we're sent into it. <laughs> we're not of the world, but we're sent into it. We're, we're sent sort of back into it after our nature is, is changed. And so I, I think where, where I would go from here into the story of Jesus' birth and, and his coming is, is a, a little different emphasis than, than what we normally look at. Because... Normally, it seems that we emphasize the humanity of Jesus at, at this time of year because we know that he 
he left heaven, he left his glory, and, and he came to earth, and we, we celebrate how he became human. But at the same time that he became human, he retained his godhood. And, and that's, that's what we, I think, need to keep a hold of. It, it wasn't just that Jesus came to be born in the most humble of, of circumstances in a stable and, and to actually be born a human baby who was completely helpless and, and completely dependent on his parents for, for even survival. But that while he was that completely helpless, dependent baby, he was still God. And you see, that, that is the picture for, for us. When, when we become a new creation, we, we now have part of the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And, and we, we become brothers of Jesus, sharing his DNA. There's, there's that adoption that takes place when, when we receive and believe in Jesus, but it, it is no normal adoption Be, because there, there's <laughs> a, a change in, in our DNA. There's, there, there's a, a change in the, the type of being that we are. And there, there are things that the Lord wants to do in us and through us to continue the ministry, continue the, the work that Jesus began of the kingdom of heaven on earth, but to, to fully enter into what he's calling us to, we, we have to fully enter into that new life. And so, as, as we uh, become new creations, we're, we're really babes as well. Because uh, what, what Paul, the way Paul describes it in 
uh, Corinthians 5, that we, we become a new type of creature and, and we have new capacities, we, we don't immediately step into the fullness of that. There's, there's a, a process from, from becoming babes to fully entering into all the possibilities that are there. And I, I don't think we, we spend enough time uh, or spend enough time meditating on the truth of that uh, and, and how we get there. I, I want to read... Uh, <clears throat> the first part of the book of John because this, this is kind of John's Christmas story. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's definitely the, the one that stands out as, as being different from, from the others. But John, it, it seems, in, in writing his account, was was more interested in pointing out the deity of Jesus than the others where where it seems particularly Matthew and, and maybe Luke were more interested in, in pointing out that, that Jesus actually came in the flesh and, and he was a human being. And and so John looks at a dif different emphasis in the first part of, of his gospel. So let's, let's look at that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, 
To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth were realized or displayed through Jesus Christ. So, the emphasis of John in the first part of his gospel is on who Jesus was before in the first few verses, and, and what he came to do. So, he starts out by showing that Jesus, the Word, was, was in fellowship with God, that, that he, he had the nature of God, he was in fellowship with God the Father. And considering that, that John still is speaking into the Old Testament understanding of God, he's, he's really showing how Jesus came to bring a fuller revelation, a fuller understanding of what God really is like. And, and that's how that passage really concludes. But he, he starts out by showing how Jesus, where Jesus was in the beginning, and how he was the agent of creation. how nothing was created without him. And how he was the light that shined in the darkness. And, and the darkness did not comprehend it, and he came to his own, but his own didn't even recognize who he was. But we are the ones who have come into the light. We have recognized who he is, what he's done, and we've entered into the way that he made for us to become also sons of God. 
And so, <clears throat> for me this year, uh, the challenge of the message of Jesus coming is the challenge of me letting him come forth in me. Because the, the fact that I am in Christ uh, means a great deal to me. It secures my eternal destiny. But it doesn't necessarily mean that much to everybody else. But the fact that he is in me is, is the hope of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. And, and so, like I said, that the challenge for, for me this year as, as we celebrate Jesus' birth is how do I more and more and how do I enter into more and more of Jesus coming forth in me? Because that's really the picture, uh, to me, the prophetic picture of Jesus coming to earth as, as God and man at the same time. The, the picture of him doing that is, is the picture for all of us. It, it points to what, what God wants to do in us. And are we, <laughs> are, are we going to be content just being in Christ and uh, sort of doing the good that we can or are, are we challenged to really enter into the cross and the crucified life so that the life of Christ can come forth in us. It, there's not a lot of talk about this in, in the church in our country. But that's where the power is. The, the power of, of heaven is, is not released, at least not, not very much, 
through us being us. Now, God is patient and he's desiring to bring forth his life on the earth and, and, and he, he will many times use what he's given. Okay? <laughs> and, and that's, uh, I, I think, a picture of his grace. But the, the question that, that is, is kind of confronting me is what, what would he do if he truly had everything? And, and I was invisible and it was his image coming forth. And, and only his nature coming forth. Well, I, I think it would look a lot like when Jesus was released in, into his ministry. After he grew up and was baptized by John and filled with the Holy Spirit, And, and he went around healing virtually everyone who came to him for healing and casting out demons, and, and demons uh, were, were just so afraid of him that <laughs> they had to reveal their presence anytime he was anywhere nearby. And as, as I have studied... The, the Feast of Tabernacles. That's the picture that I get that the Feast of Tabernacles is pointing toward. When, when there are millions of people on the earth near, near the end of days, who have truly entered into the crucified life and allowing the true nature of Jesus to show forth and come forth through their lives. That's, that's what I see. Uh, the picture that Tabernacles points to. And, and so, <clears throat> I wasn't sure if I was supposed to share this today or not, but it, it is confronting me, this thing. And when, uh, when I was in college, uh, I was not following the Lord. The first four years of, of my college were uh, spiritually pretty dark days for me. And the, the Lord made a way uh, 
to get me to Iowa City, Iowa, so that I could meet Joy <laughs> and <laughs> have a wonderful wife and life. <laughs> uh, but he was confronting me. Uh, as I moved to Iowa City. And I, I didn't have uh, an audible voice of the Lord experience, but there, there are times when, when you just know what the Lord is saying. And, and, and he, what he was saying to me was, okay, enough is enough. It's time for you to get your life back where it needs to be. And, and so, I mean, all, when, when you're born again, all you can really say when the Lord says something like that is okay. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> and, and so... Uh, as as a reward for my saying yes and and turning, I mean there there was there was a serious repentance that took place on on my part, a, a change in the way I was thinking, a change in the way that I was living, and so I I went to a church that I never would have gone to ever. But it was only three blocks down the street that I lived on. And I didn't know the city at all. And I was going to show God that, yes, I'm, I'm turning. And I'm, I'm going to go to church the first Sunday I'm there. And since this is about the only one I can find, I'm going there. <laughs> and I'll look, I'll look for something that's a little more appropriate next week which never happened because I met Joy the first Sunday I was at that Baptist church and I had no idea what I was going to find in a Baptist church because I'd never been to one um, I, I tell you that story to tell you um, that it feels like I'm being confronted in a similar way right now. And there's, there's no known darkness for me to turn from, okay? But... It's like the, the Lord is saying, enough is enough of life as it's been. And 
I, I believe that he, he is calling us to something higher. I, I, this isn't just for me. He, he wants to come to this city. And, and he wants to come in us and, and through us But it can't really happen the way we are right now and, and, and as things are right now. Um, I, I had a, a prophetic word a, a few years ago spoken over me that I thought was really cool at the time, and <laughs> a lot of times the serious ones are that way, because uh, you, you think, oh, that sounds really great, and until you begin to realize what's required to get there. And it, it was... That, that I was part of a, a group of people that the, the Lord was going to use to, to change the way that we do church in, in this country. And like I said, that, that sounded kind of cool at the time. But I, I think we're getting close to stepping into some of that. And, and I don't know what that's going to look like. I, I know that it's going to look like uh, me stepping aside and, and Jesus stepping forth somehow that that's the only way it's it's going to happen and i i think what what the lord is is wanting to challenge us with is are are we willing to leave behind what we know, even though there's some good in it, to reach for the better that we do not yet know. And that's, that's a risky proposition. But I remember how John Wimber used to spell faith. Remember that, Cheryl? <laughs> R-I-S-K. And so, 
That's what I share with you today. This, this is what I... I mean, this is coming from deep within me today. And I, I wish I knew how to get there quickly and easily. But I have a feeling <laughs> that it's not going to happen that way. So, are you willing to go with me? Then I think we should pray. I think I've shared with some of you um, a prophetic word that I got from another pastor in Wyoming about our move to this place. Um, and it was that this is a promotion in disguise. And I, I think the Lord is saying, get used to it. Because there, there is a, a reality to that. There's, there's a truth to that. In that promotions in God's kingdom don't generally look like promotions in man's kingdom. And that if, if we're willing to go down this road with the Lord, um, we should be prepared for more promotions in disguise. But With promotions in disguise, with promotions in God's kingdom, come additional authority, come additional revelation, and, and come with God's provision. So, because... When, when God gives more, he somehow has to maintain our humility. Or it all just blows up. And, and that is never his plan. For things to blow up. So, 
He, he wants to keep us humble as, as he leads and empowers and does the good things, the great things that he wants to do. Now I think we're ready to pray. Lord, I guess we're saying yes. Even though we don't know entirely what we're saying yes to. But Lord, uh, I believe that you have something new, something better. for us to enter into. For the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of the reward of your son, for the sake of bringing forth a bridegroom to be a counterpart or for the sake of bringing forth <clears throat> a bride to be the counterpart of the bridegroom. So, Lord, we, we say yes. And will you say yes with me? Yes, yes, Lord. Now, now lead us and, and guide us. Show us the way for the sake of your Son. Lord, strengthen us in our inner being, in our spirit, to overcome our souls. And to be led by your spirit via our spirit in our inner being. Lord, lead us into participating in the cross of Jesus so that his life would come forth in us. And we thank you for choosing us. In Jesus' name, amen.